morning. How y'all doing today? Before I get started, um, oh, first of all, welcome to everyone online. Hi, you guys. I hope that you're enjoying uh, being in your pajamas. And uh, I wish I was in mine, but just we're, we're so happy to have you with us today as well. Um, before we get started, I just wanted to remind you guys, for, for those of you who know, there's probably several of you here who do know, but um, maybe many of you who don't know that this past week marked the fifth anniversary of the passing of our great leader and pastor, Eric Venry. And so um, just to give a little background for those of you who aren't familiar, about 22 years ago, Eric and his amazing wife, Jody, and they're then, well, they have four kids and they were all real little, all under seven, uh, came out to Utah with three other families, and we were privileged and blessed to be one of those families. They came out here to start this church, to plant the adventure, and it was just that. It has been an adventure. And in 2016, um, the Lord took Eric home uh, quite suddenly to be with him, and he left a huge, huge hole in our hearts, and, and uh, we, we've been through a lot. Uh, the last five years, uh, we've went through a lot of just, well, you can imagine, grief, sorrow, pain, loss, but God has been good. And they say it takes about five years for a church to kind of find its feet again after something like that, after a tragedy or a loss or a split. And I will tell you, he has been so good to us. But I wanted to just ask you, for those of you especially who know them and love them, um, to just keep them in your thoughts and prayers. Um, like I said, last week was the anniversary, but just even in this time, if the Lord brings it to your heart, to just keep them in prayer. And not only that, but, you know, I think in the last couple of months, we've had precious families at the adventure that have lost loved ones. Um, I, think, I think at least six people have passed away in the last uh, couple of months. So our hearts are extended towards you all. Our prayers are with you. We pray weekly for you guys. Uh, as soon as we hear of something, whatever you're going through, if you let us know, uh, our team here uh, goes into action and covers you guys in prayer. So know that you guys are thought of to those who have lost loved ones as well. So anyways, um, we started 2021 with a new sermon series called Credo, What We Believe. And here at The Adventure, we think that as Jesus followers, it's important to know what we believe and why. And this incredible God-breathed book called the Bible, the inspired word of God, it's where we put our stakes down really as Christians, isn't it? It's where we draw the line in the sand and it's our standard for how we live our lives. I don't know who came up with this, but about 20 years ago, I heard the acronym for Bible. Does anyone know it? Basic instructions before leaving earth. Isn't that cool? And I, lately, I also heard it was described as believer's instructions before leaving earth. And it's so true. As Christians, this, this is it. Um, I, I think it was really cool. When I, when I was thinking about that, I thought God, in his amazing omniscience, came up with that word. He knew that someone, he knew he was going to inspire someone to call it basic instructions before leaving earth, because he's that good, right? He's that, he's that awesome, where he knows the beginning from the end. And I thought, the Greek word for Bible is biblio, but the acronym is very cool. And I know God, God came up with that idea. 
Um, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Isn't that awesome? We all need one of these. So why we believe that the Bible is um, the most important book we can read, why it is our instructions for life, is just one of the topics that we went over, or that we've been going over, I should say. Other topics that we've talked about is the cross, our triumphant moment as believers in Christ, the fall of humankind, God's plan of redemption, and his reckless grace. Those are just a few of the topics that we've gone over. And every week for me, a new truth unfolds about the love of God for us and his plans for us. And I think that the more we study and the more we delve into this word of God, that the beauty of God's character is revealed. Amen? We're reminded of his immeasurable love, grace, and mercy for us, for each of us. So this week, woohoo! we get to take a look at the foundational belief of repentance, yay, and acceptance. Isn't that a great topic? Repentance and acceptance. Um, I'm going to just look at the word of God today, and we're going to look at a few scriptures that support this foundational truth, the idea of repentance and acceptance. So let's pray real quick, shall we? Oh, Father, we are so grateful and so humbled and honored to be here with you, with each other in community, uh, and to worship you together this morning. Um, we're just so glad to have been ushered in by such a great, great worship team. And as we look at your word, Holy Spirit, I ask that the words that you want to speak are what would be spoken, that anything that I'm supposed to say, I would and whatever I'm not supposed to say that I wouldn't. Lord, you know what you want to speak to your people here in this room today. Your heart for them is love and grace and compassion and faithfulness. So Lord, speak what you want to speak, and we are listening. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Sorry, guys, I get dry a lot, so I have to have some water up here. Anyways, when we hear the word repent, or repentance, what do we think about? I think that we often think of a preacher shaking his fists. And those old-time preachers, sometimes they shake their fists, threatening hellfire and brimstone if we don't repent. And we immediately think to ourselves, we shrink back and we think, is this really the heart of a loving God? But honestly, the word repent, or various forms of it, repentance and repenting, it appears over 100 times in the Bible. So it's an important word, and we need to take a look at it. Billy Graham is one of my personal heroes. He used to talk about repentance with as much passion as those preachers that were preaching hellfire and brimstone. And he certainly didn't shy away from the fact that we are all sinners, that we have all fallen short of the glory of God, and that our sin does lead to death. But on his way to encouraging us to repent, on his way to telling us, have faith in Christ, he first talked about God's love for us and that he, has crea that he created us for relationship and for intimate fellowship. Amen? And in spite, in spite of our disobedience to the Lord, that God already had a plan of redemption in place, that he thought of us and prepared a way through his son, Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, in his resurrection three days later, so that we could have forgiveness and eternal life. He already thought about that ahead of time. 
I came to faith in Christ 35, oh, almost 40 years ago now. Almost 40 years ago. It'll be 40 years in October. And I'll never forget the words that he would speak. The most famous, famous verse in all the Bible. Anybody know it? John 3.16, if anybody wants to say it with me, let's go. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Woo! Yes, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son for us, you guys. I I love the words um, in one of the songs we sang today. It said, behold the Father's heart, the mystery he lavishes on us as deep cries out to deep, how desperately he wants us. You guys, this book, it speaks of God's love. It's plain. In light of our sin, he invites us to respond to his love, his grace, and forgiveness. So that's, this is where the biblical truth and our foundational belief of repentance and acceptance comes in today. So what does the word repentance mean? Anybody have ideas what the word repentance actually means? If you look it up in today's dictionary, this is what repentance is defined as. Deep sorrow. (laughs) I always laugh at this word, compunction. Or contrition for a past sin, wrongdoing, or the like. Also says that's regret for any past action. The biblical definition, however, is a little different. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for repentance is teshuva which literally means to turn or return. And it's most often referred to when we turn away from our sins and we return back to God. In the New Testament, the translation of the word repentance is the Greek word metanoia, which means to change one's mind. And this is commonly referred to as the transformative change of heart. Here's how a few scholars described it. I did a lot of research and a lot of reading about this. And... um, I will be honest, there was a lot of knocking uh, of thoughts, but we're going we're gonna to unravel those today. Here's a few scholars' definitions of repentance. Thomas Brooks says, repentance is the vomit of the soul. Doesn't that sound gross? But if you really think about it, if you really truly think about it, when we repent and we understand our sin, It is kind of like vomiting it up, yeah? It's kind of like just getting it all out before the Lord. Mark Deaver says, It is turning from the sins you love to the holy God you're called to love. I think that's beautiful. And then J.I. Packer says, Repentance, as we know, is basically not moaning and remorse, but turning and change. So repentance, then, is to change our minds in regard to our sin and make a 180-degree return back to God and his righteousness. And this is only obtained by faith in Christ alone and his finished work on the cross. If y'all want to turn to me to 1 John 1, 9, you're welcome to take a look at this with me. It might be up on the screen too. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that amazing? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. With religion, when we talk about confessing our sins, 
there's usually some sort of punishment or ostracization or disfellowship or at least penance by something that we have to do, right? A work that we have to do in order to be made right. And oftentimes we see God is angry and just waiting to hammer us when we come to him. But you guys, that's not what this word says. The scripture here in 1 John 1, 9 tells us that God is faithful even when we're not, and that he is just, and our sins are never justified, right? To forgive us our sins and to make us clean. Now, God is so good. We can come to him and we can admit our wrongdoing. We can admit when we hurt someone. We can admit when we've hurt ourselves. And we're assured that he won't, well, we won't be condemned when we come to him or destroyed for it. He, just, he comes to us in love. He accepts us as we are because he's already provided forgiveness for our sins. Amen. So here's the question. We're talking about repentance today, right? But that verse talked about confession. So aren't they the same thing? Aren't repentance and confession the same thing? They are not. A lot of people assume they are, but they're actually two separate states of mind and two different actions. And I believe they go hand in hand. So if we look again at the English dictionary, confess means to acknowledge or to avow a fault, a crime, misdeed, weakness, etc. by way of revelation. A second meaning is to own or admit is true, which I believe is actually the closer definition to the biblical. In the original Greek, the word for confess is called homologeo, and it means to say the same thing as. Homo means the same. Logeo means to say. So basically, when we confess our sin, it's really saying the same thing that God already says about it. It's agreeing with him about our sin. But confession is just that. It's agreeing with God about what he already knows. Sometimes we find ourselves in that vicious cycle. And I don't know about any of you, but I've been there before. It's the sin, confess, repeat. Sin, confess, repeat. And we're confessing our sin. We're admitting, especially if we get caught, right? You did that. Uh, I did. <laughs> but do we really repent for it? Because if we go on that cycle of sin, confess, repeat, yeah, we're admitting that we did wrong. We're admitting that we hurt someone. But until we come to that place where we realize and we're remorseful and we're regretful over the fact that we sinned against God, that we hurt someone, until we get to that place, change doesn't often come. Healing doesn't often come. But when we do, that's where the transformation takes place. It's important to recognize our empty state, you guys. It's important for us to recognize our brokenness and the fact that we have sinned against God. But the beauty of the Lord is that in his omniscience, he prepared a way for us to be saved from our sins. Isn't that good news? It's great news. He knew what we were going to fall short before we did. And that's because I call it his holy master mindfulness. I know that sounds really weird, but I came up with it because I was thinking about his omniscience. I was thinking about, this, this brings me to tears when I, when I realize that he thought of us, he thought of you all and me before he even made the earth and the world, and he put this plan into place. Isn't that mind-blowing? Isn't that awesome? He, he, he made us for relationship. He created us to have intimate fellowship with him. 
but he also gave us choice to love him and to obey him. And he knew that we weren't going to. And he thought, man, I need to put a plan in place to restore the people I love. And that's what he did for us. Romans 5, 6 through 8. If you want to turn there, you can, or read it up up here. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. Now get this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we were still in our junk and darkness and the wickedness that we chose, he died for us ahead of time. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that good? Yeah, you can woo. I love it. That, that is something to be thankful for. That is something to rejoice over. That before he even created the universe, the stars, the moon, the planets, the earth, before he even thought of us, he extended his love and his generosity. He gave us the best of himself, you guys. He gave us the best of creation and the best of all possible outcomes. Love, grace, forgiveness, salvation, and eternal life. Who doesn't want that? He chose this outcome for us simply because he loves us, because he loves you. But you know, I'm thinking, some of you may be thinking to yourself, some of you may say, let's go back and look at that scripture. It says, when I was still powerless, and I had this conversation with a loved one recently, so it's kind of fresh in my mind. They said, I own my own power in this life. I'm not powerless. Yes, you are. And it says, Christ died for the ungodly. Um, I'm a good person. I live a just life. And actually, I believe in God. I wouldn't say I'm ungodly. Yes, you are. And while I was still a sinner, you know, when I, when I proposed this idea to my then friend, Doug, uh, we weren't even dating yet, and I explained the gospel and told him he was a sinner. He said, I haven't killed anybody. I'm not a sinner. Yes, you are. You guys, the Bible says there is no one good. No, not one. And all that means is that none of us can measure up. None of us can measure up to God's perfection, his righteousness, the standard that he has set. None of us can do it. And I may ruffle some feathers here in just a second. There are people in this life, well, let me go back a minute. I, I just have a soapbox, I think, that I want to talk about. There, we often, as Christians, come to faith in Christ because of our circumstances, right? Our dire need. Some of the choices we've made have put us in places, whether it's, um, you know, just a myriad of things that take us to the low, low part of our lives, right? And then we realize, man, I need saving. I need Jesus Christ in my life. And it's true. It's very true. But oftentimes, I honestly believe that we don't talk enough about the people who who don't have those situations, who don't come to Christ because of the fact that, A, they live a pretty decent life, life, 
B, they make really good moral decisions. C, they have a fat bank account. D, they are very generous to a fault. Their life looks amazing. And they're really good people. And they give money away. And they're kind to their neighbors. And we don't talk enough about the, peop- the fact that those people are bankrupt also. You guys, those people are bankrupt also. It doesn't matter what you've achieved. It doesn't matter the success you have in your life. And, and, and hear my heart. Those things are blessings and they're good. And those things come from God. If you don't recognize that those things from, come from God, you need to really think about that. You need to know that he is the one who created you. He is the one that blessed you with everything that you have. But I know many people who I love in my life who say to me, I, I believe in God. And I believe in God, and I think that if I live a just life, I'm going to go to heaven. It's not true. It doesn't matter whether you're at the bottom of the barrel or whether you're at the top of the world. Without Jesus Christ, there is no salvation. Without Jesus Christ, there is no eternal life. There is no forgiveness of sins until you recognize that Jesus Christ is the one that paid the price for you. And too many people don't think that they are in need. Too many people don't think that there's a price to be paid because after all, they've got this life together. But I want to tell you with boldness and in love that that is not the case. You need Jesus no matter who you are. No matter who you are. And he loves you enough to make it plain and obvious that he died for you. So take that to the bank. You know, and and, and I will say... That if you believe that the things that you do and the life that you've, that you've built for yourself and the goodness that you extend is enough, it's arrogant and prideful. And that in and of itself is sin right there. <laughs> so who doesn't want God's love, right? He's an amazing, amazing God. So religion tells us a different story, doesn't it? Religion tells us that we need to do good, we need to be good, we need to live a good life in order to please God. But the Bible says otherwise, and that's what we stand on. The Bible says otherwise. It's faith in Christ and Christ alone. And don't misunderstand me, you guys. Repentance is key to the Christian life. It is so key, but think about this. Repentance doesn't save us. Did you hear me? And, and that may be something you disagree with. But repentance doesn't get us to heaven. A lot of people are going to disagree with me on that. Like I, I read a lot of articles and did a lot of studying, and there's, there, there are opinions on both sides. But as I read the word, as I studied, I believe that it's God's love and his grace that compels us first, that by his grace and mercy we are compelled to have faith in Jesus, and that the fruit of that is repentance. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't repent, like, like maybe you're in a place where you just know that you're living a bad life, right? You know that you're living a life that is, is wrong and hurtful or illegal. So sometimes maybe the repentance does come first, because you're right there, you're just like, 
man, I'm tired of this. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and living my life this way. So repentance may come first for some people, but a lot, it's not what saves you. It's your faith in Christ alone and what he did for you on the cross. And when we come to that knowledge, when we realize that Jesus Christ died for us because of his love for us, we are compelled to confess and to repent. He brings us to that place. Does that make sense? So I want you guys to be encouraged by that today. You know, I was, I was telling the story earlier, like what if you're listening to this, this great sermon on the radio on the way home, right? What if you're hearing someone just preach the message of Christ and you're like, yes, that's right. I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Boom, you get T-boned. What happens then? You didn't get a chance to repent of your sins. Did that person not go to heaven? Did he not go to heaven? He did go to heaven because he, he acknowledged and he confessed that Jesus Christ was Lord. God knows our hearts. Repentance is fruit that comes from faith in Jesus Christ. And it is a necessary part of the Christian life, but it doesn't save us. Come to faith in Jesus. That's the first step. Romans 2.4 says, Or do you disregard the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience? not realizing that God's kindness leads you to repentance. Woo, his kindness, you guys. Not this foreboding idea of a God that's up there ready to hammer us when we come to him like this. Just, oh, I'm so bad. I've done all these things and please don't destroy me. God is like this. God is waiting for us. He's waiting for us with love and compassion with forgiveness and grace and mercy. Another translation says that, don't you know that God's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance? Isn't that beautiful? That was his intention all along. His intention was that his kindness would lead us to repentance. I I can't argue with that. I can't say no to that. That kind of kindness and love and compassion. Uh, Sometime last year, I spoke about the Hebrew word chesed. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, But that Hebrew word chesed does not have a concrete meaning. There's no word in the English language that can even really describe it or be translated. The best words that scholars have come up with is unfailing love, grace, mercy, compassion, and faithfulness. Those are the closest words to describe it but I love how one scholar puts it. He says, chesed is not merely an emotion or feeling, but involves action on behalf of someone who is in great need. Chesed describes a sense of love and loyalty that inspires merciful and compassionate behavior toward another person. You guys, I believe true repentance is spurred on by realizing that the creator of the universe loves us that way. Amen? When you know that he loves us in that way, that he comes after us because he knows we're in need. When he's there for us because he knows we can't, we can't do this life without his love and grace and mercy. When we realize that he loves us that way, I think that is what spurs on our repentance in this life. Speaking of repentance, 55, okay. I'm going to tell a little story, and um, most of you probably might have heard it already, but I'm going to tell it again because I think it's important. It it really talks about um, 
what we're talking about today, God's love in spite of our sin. Um, back in 1984, uh, right after my sophomore, junior year in high, uh, college, uh, I wanted to go on a uh, missions trip. And so I, you know, got signed up and all that and answered all the questions. And it was, you know, they accepted me. I was so happy. Uh, and I was just new in the Lord, maybe a few years in the Lord. And uh, we went to L.A. first. Uh, to the 1984 Summer Olympics, and we got to minister to the people there and the athletes there. And then in the summer, we got to go to Hong Kong. And that was one of the most amazing experiences of my young Christian life. We did the, if anyone is familiar with YWAM, I don't know, you do these skits out on the, out on the streets, and you do them in mime, and it's really cool. And you just really, um, we did the gospel. We did a play on the gospel everywhere we went, and it would just draw crowds because we weren't talking. We were just acting, right? So it was really cool. And then afterwards, we got to go with interpreters. Uh, I think Cantonese is what they spoke. And we got to tell people that Jesus loved them. We got to explain the skit that we did, that they were watching. And we got to lead people to Christ. And I don't have it anymore. I wish I did. But I just had scores of people's names and that I got to meet and to pray with and to tell them that they are loved and forgiven. Anyway, so one night, you know, uh, they, they separate the girls and the guys for, for sleeping, but then we come together for our meals. And one night we were having dinner, and I was in that, that season, and we should always be in this season, where it speaks at the end of Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my ways. See if there be any wicked way in me. You know, see if there be any anxieties up in here and lead me in the way everlasting. I was just wanting everything God had for me. I wanted to be clean before the Lord. I wanted to walk purely before the Lord. I wanted everything that he had for me. And here I was, a missionary, you know, and walking with the Lord, and I was so excited. So I took my Bible, and I kind of snuck away. And in Hong Kong, they have these tall, tall uh, skyscrapers, right? And it was probably 30, 30 stories tall. And I went up the stairs, and I got to the top, and I had my Bible, and it was just pitch black outside, but the moon was full, so it lit up that whole area. And behind, behind the light of the moon, I could just see these gorgeous mountains, kind of like what we have here. It was the first time I had ever seen mountains that tall. So I was just overcome by, by just God's love for me. And I had my Bible open, and I was reading that, Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my ways, right? And I had my arms open, and I just remember I was, I was, just, I was crying just because I, I wanted to know. I'm like, Lord, search my heart. I want to be who you want me to be. And so it was quiet, and I'm just listening. I have my arms out, and I'm, my, my, I'm crying, and just so open to the Lord. And in the quiet of the night, his voice said, you took the lives of your two babies a few years ago. You stole their lives. And you know, I had. I had right at the beginning of my Christian walk, I had two abortions. Whew. And um, I'm totally forgiven, and I, I stand up here totally clean and forgiven before the Lord. So these tears are just because God is so good. And when he said that to me, all of a sudden, 
the wrath of God and what I deserved, it became very clear to me. It's like, man, for that, for those things, I deserve the wrath of God. But quickly behind his statement, he said, but I love you, I have forgiven you, and my grace is for you. It was like within the same breath he spoke it to me. And that was a pivotal, transformative moment in my life. One of the biggest transformational moments in my life. Because I sat there and I knew what I deserved. I knew that my selfish choices just a few years prior that I had swept under the rug deserved God's judgment and wrath. But at the same time, his love poured over me. Because I had given my life to Christ already. I was already saved I had been a Christian for a few years, so I knew that I was forgiven. But at that particular season of my life, I swept under the rug. I went back to college, played tennis for them, and kind of thought it was done. But it wasn't done. When you make choices like that, now maybe, first of all, let me just say this. If there's anyone that is kind of being stirred in their hearts, with any emotion that is you're having a hard time with. I, I want to apologize for that. I don't apologize for the fact that I did what I did and God forgave me. Do I regret it? Absolutely, I regret that. Regret those decisions. I regret the selfishness of my choices. And I'm grateful that I get to meet those two little souls in heaven one day. So thankful for that. But if there's anyone that's having a hard time with what I said, maybe because of your own circumstances, um, come talk to me. I'm so happy to walk you through it, talk it out, pray with you. So please know that I'm inviting you if there's anyone that is struggling with what I just said. But that's the beauty of God. He makes it clear that our sin is not okay that we do deserve a penalty for that. But then he reminds us that the penalty has been paid. It's been paid by the one and only son, Jesus Christ, who went to the cross for us. That's how much he loved us. He laid down his life, guys. He was the propitiation for our sin, which basically means that he became, he satisfied the wrath of God that we deserved. He took on that punishment that we deserved. And I don't know what y'all have been through, but I want you to know that that kind of love and mercy and grace is for each and every one of you here and today. And I invite you just to take a moment to just let the Lord search your heart and to understand that he is for you. If there's anything that he's bringing up, if, he's anything, if there's anything he's reminding you of, that maybe you've forgotten or you've swept under the rug or you've justified. Because remember, none of our sin is justified, correct? But let him speak to you today. Let him take you to that place of mercy and grace and compassion that he has for you. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, 
Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. You guys, he has brought us into this undeserved place. We don't deserve it. That's what grace means. It means unmerited favor. But it was all his idea. It was his doing. Over and over again, the word of God reiterates the same truth, that we are saved by grace through faith, and that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance, and that we are justified in his sight through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I want to make something clear. You know, when Jesus dies, died on the cross, it's complete and it's finished. Past, present, and future, your sins are forgiven. Done deal when you come to faith in Christ. But I do believe that there's this daily repentance that we should have. And let me explain what that means. I don't want you guys to think, oh my gosh, I got to think of every little thing I do every day and I got to take a tally. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is living your life in such a way that as you're walking through your day and you're allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you and to empower you, that when we say something to someone or we do something that we know falls short of God's glory or when we hurt someone, that when the Holy Spirit says to you, that wasn't okay, that wasn't honoring to that person, you know that was wrong what you just did. When the Holy Spirit brings it to your mind, just confess it right then. Just get it out of the way. Don't wait three days, four days, and then fall on your knees in utter desperation. That's what I'm talking about. There's something really beautiful and freeing about living daily with a clean account. Does that make sense? So it's when the Holy Spirit brings something to mind, just go, oh, thanks, Lord. Yeah, let me go back to my husband and and apologize for saying that unkind thing I did out of my own selfishness and expectation. Why did I come up with that one? Oh, anyway, (laughs) I'm not a perfect wife by any means. Or let me go back and apologize to my my daughter for being um, short with her and, and just dismissing her because, you know, I was tired or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Let the Holy Spirit, and I'm not talking about walking a perfect life, guys. I'm not talking about having to be perfect. I'm talking about walking in such a way that the Holy Spirit empowers us and we can be all that God called us to be. Amen? As we allow him to indwell us, as we allow him to fill us to overflowing on a daily basis, every day, every morning, whatever, whenever your time with the Lord is, and I I encourage you to have time with God. I encourage you, if you can't do it in the morning, do it in your lunch break. If you can't do it in your lunch break, do it when the kids and your go to bed. You know, Find some time where you can be alone with the Lord in communion with him. He wants to hear what you have to say. He wants to hear everything that's on your mind and on your heart. And then he says, give me a few minutes so I can tell you what I want to say to you. I have things I want to pour out to you. I have things I want to bless you with, with my words. I have things I want to exhort you in or even rebuke you in. But God does it because he loves us, yes? So when you have that time with the Lord, let the Holy Spirit indwell you and empower you so that we can outpour to others. That's how he wants us to live our lives, especially with the ones that we live with and our brothers and sisters in the faith. But just as importantly, when we're out every day in the world, because if we're not showing them who Christ is, If we're not walking in the fruits of love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Some people are never going to know Christ. Some people are never going to step inside this building. And so that's why I think it's really important that we allow the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to speak to us about those things. And if you bring something to mind, we just go, man, thank you, Lord. It's freeing. It's not condemnation. It's called conviction. And it's because he has the best for us. He wants us to live in such a way that not only honors him, but that shows us, shows the world who he is. I want to wrap up with one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. They're all my favorite, but this one's a good one too. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are on Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And you know, for many, many years, I struggled with that. The New King James is the only translation that adds who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. None of the other translations have it. It all ends right there, who are in Christ Jesus. And I was like, Lord, I don't always walk in the Spirit. What does that mean? Am I condemned? He said, no. When you give your life to me, when you realize that I have died for you, and you decide to walk in faith, that I am the one who died for your sins, that I am your Lord and your Savior and your King, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you right then. So it's that desire to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's that desire to let God be the one that guides us and leads us, not our flesh. That's really what that means. Because we don't do it perfectly, do we? Never. But that's what it's talking about. As we walk in submission to the Lord and to his Holy Spirit, that's when he, ha- he, gives, us, he gives us everything that he has intended. He has restoration. You know that he created you and I in an original way that by the time we're, we're grown, has been chipped away, has been, has been sullied, has been sinned against. He, he had plans, purpose, and destiny for each one of us, and they have not gone away. The Bible says that the gifts and the calling of the Lord are without repentance. They're irrevocable. So when we surrender to him, we repent and we just get everything out, and his love and his grace and his mercy come pouring on us, He restores us back to that original person that he intended us to be. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that great news? It's like in our minds and our hearts, we're always, we're striving to be better, right? Like we know that I can be better. We know that God is something more for me because that's, that's what he does. But he does it in his power, not ours. The Amplified says, therefore, there is now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him as personal Lord and Savior. If anybody here today has not come to faith in Christ, if you don't have that faith or you have not experienced that faith yet, I boldly admonish you, come on up and let's pray about it. Let's pray together or or pray with the person you came with or find one of the pastors here and leaders here and say, hey, I don't really know what that faith is, but I want to check it out. I want to come to know Jesus. It is the best and most transformative decision you will ever make in your entire life. It takes you from darkness into light. It takes you from mortality into eternal life. That is a mind-blowing thought, isn't it? That we are going to spend eternity 
with the God who created the universe and with each other. For those of us who have come to faith in Christ and call, him, call on him as Lord and King, we're going to be together for eternity. Yeah, it's beyond my grasp, but I can't wait. But right now, right here on earth, he has plans for us. He has purpose for us. He has a destiny that can only be fulfilled as we come to faith in him. As we confess and we repent, he just pours out more. He pours out more of his love, more of his grace, more of his compassion, more of his healing, which we all need. Don't we need healing? I don't know about you. I needed healing in my life and I continue to need healing. So I just admonish you and I invite you to come to know Christ today. Let's pray, shall we? Father, you're so good. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross for us. Thank you for, out of your obedience for, for the Father, you laid down your life for us. You endured the cross, despised the shame, Lord. Not only did you die for us, but you were, you were brought back to life three days later. You were resurrected from the dead to defeat hell, the grave, and death, Lord, for us, for the people that you created, for the people that you love, for the purposes of life and eternity, Lord. We just thank you, God. We thank you that you are not waiting with a hammer to, to just knock us down when we come to you in faith, when we come to you with confession, when we come to you with repentance, you are there because you've already prepared the way. Your kindness is what leads us to repentance. And for that, we are thankful and we give you praise and we give you honor and we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, have a wonderful week. Stay safe, stay healthy. Bless your neighbors, love them. And uh, God bless you guys. And thank you for those online. It's good to have you with us today. Mm-hmm.